Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. Thank you for being here with me today. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I hope the weather is good where you are because it's not where I am. I want better weather. I was supposed to go see my parents this weekend in Louisiana. It's my mom's birthday this weekend. And they're under the weather and the weather's just going to be gross. So they said reschedule. So I did. All right, I, my friends, want to delve into wokeism. I continue to think one of the underappreciated aspects of wokeism and being woke is that it literally is a word, woke, that originated in uh, black communities as a word to be aware or wake up to racial injustice and disparate treatment between uh, how white people and black people are treated by police, among other things. And it has been uh, appropriated by a bunch of progressive white people who are all now very woke. And wokeism means whatever they want it to mean. And they want it to mean a bunch of trash things uh, that, frankly, do some disrespect. And out of the gate, I I, got to say this. Some of you won't like it. It's very weird how I know that I'm going to get hate mail when I say something, and it's going to be from the same usual suspects. They all fit a very, very specific demographic, and they just don't like the truth. And the truth is, actually, that statistically uh, there are reasons for black Americans to be concerned with encounters with law enforcement. And some people really hate it when you say that. Now, problem here is that a lot of people over-exaggerate it. There are reasons to be concerned, but not as many reasons as some say. It's much more nuanced, but the data is there for all to see, and uh, you don't need to spend a whole lot of time uh, talking to your black friends to understand that they have concerns you or I may not have. I have seen it with my own eyes, and I do understand it's a concern. At the same time, it is by activists grossly overstated. But beyond that, Uh, Woke in and of itself has been culturally appropriated by the caring, concerned, progressive white people who are offended with everything. Teddy Roosevelt's statue is being removed from in front of the uh, New York Museum of Natural History. Very famous statue. Night of the Museum, the movie, uh, a whole character played by Robin Williams, no less, was dedicated to that statue and it's gone because it was offending people. It's nonsense. People just want to be offended by stuff. I, A friend of mine sent me a video last night. I can't play it for you because it has a bad word in it. But a friend of mine sent me a video last night of a, of a guy with pink hair, squirrely little fella who's in college, it seems, or maybe high school. And the teacher was trying to get in on woke stuff. And the teacher wanted the kids to write their names and their pronouns down. Write your name and your preferred pronouns down so everyone will respect you and your pronouns. And you know what this kid's grievance was? Well, I'm actually not 
uh, gender binary. I'm gender non-binary, but I don't know that I want people to know that I'm gender non-binary. And so it's just, it's, it's so intimidating for me to have to write down my pronouns for other people to know, because do I lie and, and just, just take my, my normal pronouns or, or do I tell the truth? And then I have to out myself as gender non-binary. I'm pretty sure people already can tell based on your appearance and the way you're acting that there's something a little off. I'm sorry. Some of you are going to say that's rude, but it was nuts. I mean, this teacher has has, has delved into wokeism. And you're upset because the teacher is trying to appreciate your preferred pronouns, and you may have to now out yourself as having pronouns that aren't aligned properly. Buddy of mine yesterday said, can we move on to adjectives and adverbs? Now, I'm a little over the pronoun conversation. Amen. The approved English curriculum lessons for Fairfax County Schools in Virginia cites being a military kid as having privilege. They have a, a identify your privilege. Let me, let me give you the privileges. These are what are considered kids with privilege. Native English. Comfortable work, walking outside alone, heterosexual, college is the expectation, have your own bedroom, involved in extracurricular activities, never been racially profiled, Christian, white, both parents went to college, never worried about food, parents are married, feel represented in media, cisgender, that means your body and your identity align, never lost a loved one, able-bodied, feel safe around police officers, born in country of residence, drive or get driven to school, employed, no speech impediment, mentally healthy, military kid, male. That means you're privileged. So let's see. Uh, Native speaker, comfortable walking outside alone, heterosexual, college was the expectation, had my own bedroom. My parents went to college. I was white. I was Christian. I lived overseas. I was racially profiled, involved in extracurricular activities, cisgendered, represented in the media, parents are married, never worried about food, driven to school. Actually, I walked. Actually, well, I moved back. Born in country of residence. We're up to 15. Feel safe around police, able-bodied. Yeah, I've lost loved ones. Male, wasn't a military kid, mentally healthy. I had a speech impediment. It's, uh, basically, we're up to 20. I am almost completely privileged. It's insanity, and we're allowing this insanity to run over all of us. You know, Philip said, they haven't had a Sunday service. So what we've been doing, if, if I get a little bit theological at all in any of these, we've been pushing them off. Philip. You know, we're, we're going to talk about the March for Life here in a minute, and I want to take your phone calls, but I, I, I want to say something. I'll let Philip be the judge between this one and, and March for Life stuff. Here's what's going on here. Do, do you notice a lot of these things? A lot of these things are the way things should be. And they're turning them into bad things because some people don't have them. And they're calling them privileges. The reality, though, is life is not fair. 
Life has never been fair. Life will never be fair. And for them to define in some ways that you benefited in ways others didn't, that you were somehow privileged, no, it's just you had a different lot in life. It doesn't make you privileged. It makes you different. And what they're trying to do is to identify the differences as bad and to suggest that you are someone you may not be. That you are the product of other things. You are not yourself. This is the downside of wokeism in general, as it has been culturally appropriated by a bunch of white people, mostly white people who are privileged, by the way. They decide in some way that you are uh, something other than yourself. You, the individual, don't matter. The group you are in matters. And so they take you out of, the, out of your individuality and force you into a group, whether you want to be in that group or not. And you may transcend that group. Like, for example, I know people who come from broken homes who then got married and stayed married because they recognize that what their parents did screwed them up in some way. And they don't want that. And so they and their spouse lovingly, oftentimes with the help of a marriage counselor, keep themselves together for the benefit of their kids. So now their kids are benefited and supposedly privileged in ways they weren't. No, it was a hell of a lot of work for them to do it. They had to overcome great obstacles. When your parents are divorced, the odds of you getting divorced go up. When you and your spouse's parents are both divorced, you got about a 70% chance of getting a divorce unless you work at it. And so what the privilege scorecard does is it discounts you and the work you put into your life to lump you in with a bunch of other people and announce then that you are somehow advantaged irrespective of your life story. And it then otherizes you and everyone else in the room and puts you into groups concocted by a bunch of other privileged white people. The whole idea of privilege, frankly, should be insulting to everyone. It is not a privilege but a blessing to be raised in some level of normalcy. It is a blessing to be American. It is a blessing to come to the United States and make it your home. It's not a privilege, but a blessing. And they turn that all on its head and somehow try to make it pejorative. Why? Because they wish to divide and make you feel bad. Because once you have internalized that you are somehow bad, then then they get to control you and provide you a means to your salvation that they can be the gatekeepers of. Don't fall for it. It's ridiculous. It's happening more and more. That it's happening in public schools in America is something that every conservative should campaign against and stamp out because parents abhor this sort of stuff. That's why Glenn Youngkin got elected in Virginia, and what they're going to do is double down on it in Virginia, and that's insane. Now, before I get out of here, let me take a couple of phone calls. We've had people waiting patiently. Scott, you're going to be up first. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Eric. Uh, I've never heard a wokeism described so eloquently. I could wrap my head around that very well. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, three quick things going back to the voting rights thing. Uh, I didn't hear it mentioned. Maybe I missed it. But I thought some of the doubt and dispersions cast on our recent 2020 election had something to do with Stacey Abrams spending four years trying to, you know, 
uh, rewrite the whole voting program. And then, you know, that was kind of probably uh, facilitated by the COVID virus, got some of those things through. And then thus we had an election and nobody really believed it. So uh, Stacey Abrams uh, needs to be mentioned in this somewhere, I would think. The other thing is, one more thing, uh, two more things, is um, uh, having uh, voting being described as a right. I thought it was a privilege to those who were taxed. You had something that could be taxed, therefore you needed a representation, therefore you had a vote. And uh, that's... Uh, that's not being mentioned. You know, is it a right? I don't think it's a basic right. It's not in the ten, ten bill of rights. It's uh, it's a privilege for people that put into the system. And then uh, didn't the Tocqueville? Am I saying that right? Say the, the American yep. Republic will endure. The American Republic will endure until the Congress discovers that it can bribe the public with the public's money. Uh, so I now I believe that last quote it is attributed to De Tocqueville, but I think I read somewhere that it was apocryphal that nobody can actually find it was him. But it's true; it is absolutely true yeah. that that uh, when Congress yeah. bribes the public, uh, I mean th- this is why I think Republicans have to embrace school choice. You're essentially giving an entitlement, daring the Democrats take it away. Uh, you are right. Stacey Abrams deserves a lot of credit for helping seed the ground for undermined elections. Hillary Clinton before her, all the, the nonsense in 2016 about the Russians stealing elections. Yes, the Democrats had a lot to do with it. Remember, every time Democrats lose, they cast doubt on the election. And the Republicans are just now playing their game and they don't like it. And for those of you who say, no, 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 that's not true. Go back to 2004. Go back to 2004. George W. Bush won with 51% of the vote. Having won in 2000 with the Electoral College, lost the popular vote, because one of the very first presidents to win with the popular vote in his second term. And you know what the Democrats did? They said that Ken Blackwell, the then Secretary of State of Oregon, had conspired with Diebold to make sure the electronic voting machine stole the election for George W. Bush. That was an openly talked about theory advanced by people uh, close to Howard Dean and others, if not Dean himself, that cast doubt on, on the election, claiming that Ohio stole it. What goes around comes around. More of your phone calls when we come back, 877-973-7425. I want to cut corners and just get to the chase. A lot of you hear podcast ads and radio ads for Bull and Branch, and you're thinking, eh, they're just telling you it because they're getting paid. I'm actually telling you it because I'm a customer. We actually have Bull and Branch sheets. And yes, they are an ad. Yes, this is an ad. But yes, I really am a customer. I only like to do ads for companies that I really like. And I love Bull and Branch. So does my wife. My wife actually heard the ads and she wanted to try the sheets. And now they are the sheets in our house. Bull and Branch does not cut corners. They make super soft, wonderful sheets. They use the softest organic cotton they can find. They get better with every wash. They soften and soften and soften. And they only use 100% sustainable raw materials. They're the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen. You can feel as good about your Bull and Branch sheets as they feel against your skin. They are so soft. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're just great. And every wash improves them. That, I'm telling you, is one of the coolest things about these sheets. It's like sleeping on a new bed every time you wash the sheets. It's great. Now, you can experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. 
Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, and yet you can't get the podcast and so much more by texting show to 33777. Let's go to the phones. Carol, you're going to be up next. Welcome Hello to the there, program. Hello Eric. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Okay, so listen, I'll make this really quick, but I think I re- I'm really going in left field now. Um, I think I remember quite a while ago you having a discussion about the spelling of your name. Mm-hmm. And you were saying that very few people spell it with the K at the end. Am I correct CK. in that? Yeah, with the yeah. CK, yes. Well, did you know I was reading an article in the Reader's Digest about um, about Norman Rockwell and uh, how he suffered from depression so badly. And he was a patient of the world-famous psychoanalyst Eric Erickson. Yes. You knew that. Uh, yeah, I, I did. Um, oh. And I get asked all the time if I'm related to that Eric Erickson. Um, I mean, okay, uh, I didn't hear you mention it that day on the radio, and I've been holding on to this magazine article <laughs> so I could call and tell you about it because um, I was blown away because the last name was the same also. But what drew my attention to it was it was spelt with a K. So that's why I wanted to call and tell you about that. But you already knew. So, I should okay, have known so better. You know the craziest <laughs> thing, though? Um, if you look at a picture of that Eric Erickson and a picture of my grandfather, they kind of look alike. Um, really? Yeah. It, it, it's kind of, but uh, So that Eric Erickson is German. Uh, my grandfather and my dad are Swedish. Uh, now, my dad Swedish, was yeah, born and raised in Coral Gables, Florida. Yeah but 100% Swedish. Um, so yeah, for those who haven't heard the story, this is what uh, my dad's oldest sister, my Aunt Leela, told me, is that when my grandfather's family, when, when my grandfather was coming into the United States, uh, the customs people spelled it uh, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N, and so he was stuck with oh. it. Um, oh, and never, never oh, bothered I-C-K. to change it. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but it's typically um, in... Uh, in Scandinavian countries, spelled uh, with a either a C or a K, but not the CK. Uh, right. CSON is very common in Scandinavia. Uh, but nonetheless. Um, okay, so listen, here's another thing. Okay. Real quick, I'm going to tell you. You made a comment a couple of weeks ago about New Jersey smelling. <laughs> yes. Listen, have you ever been to the mountains in New Jersey? I have not been to the mountains in New Jersey. Well, the mountains in New Jersey have the highest elevation of any state on the eastern seaboard. Really? Yes. Look it up if you don't believe me. And I really resent you saying that, Eric, because (laughs) I'm from New Jersey. I I, I can tell by the the accent. Now, I will tell you, I, I, I have been to New Jersey, but but I've never been to the nice parts of New Jersey. But a friend of mine you, who makes the joke on about... The Jersey Turnpike. Yeah, I'm a friend of mine who actually gave birth on the New Jersey Turnpike stuck in traffic, and she's the one who makes the joke about New Jersey smelling. Uh, I just took it up from oh, her. Oh, okay, so you just picked up on that. And I totally. gotta know her name because I'm going to get after her. L- l- listen, Carol, <laughs> I, I, I've, been, I've been to Newark. Put it to you that way. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to... Uh, bad mouth Newark because that's where all the industry is. So that's why it smells so bad. Now, now look but, at this though. I, I'm I'm looking this up. Uh, the the what uh, uh, Ramapo Mountains in uh, New Jersey. Look at this. Right? This is gorgeous. It sure is, and that's oh, where well. 
That's where the, um, I, I grew up across from Manhattan on the Palisades in West New York, uh, Hoboken, Union City, that area right uh, right. Look, look, Carol, I, I, I got to cut you off there because Jim's telling me I got about 15 seconds here. But, yeah, that's it's beautiful. Listen, I love this phone call, Carol. Call back anytime. Thank you. We'll be back with more of your calls. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC-877-973-7425. If you'd like to be a part of the program, let's go to the phones. Greg, you're going to be next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. I hope you're well. Thank you. I am. Hope you are too. Thank you. I wanted to make a comment uh, as short as possible about what you were talking about, wokeism. Uh-huh. And as I was listening, to, as I was listening to you describe about the battle for the self, and basically these folks that are trying to strip you of your individual identity, so they can keep you in fear and control you. Basically, I, I it just hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, Eric's describing cult formation, basically. Yes, it's and and they use the same techniques as religious and entrepreneurial cults. I would. I would call it a societal cult maybe because never before in our history has it been so easy to manipulate somebody socially as it is with the media as it is now, That's especially such a young people. Yeah. You know, so I saw a guy, he's a, a an MD on Twitter this morning. Uh, you know, there was that massive volcano explosion in the ocean um, that uh, disrupted air travel, uh, really hurt the island nation of Tonga and others. And this guy literally tweeted that that, uh, the world is telling you climate change is real with this volcano. Now, uh, last I checked the science, uh, volcanic eruptions have nothing to do with climate change. But this guy is convinced. And there are all sorts of little cults of personality and cult of ideas that people go into. Increasingly, uh, environmentalism is one. Wokeism is another. You know, what are the things that you learn with this stuff? And it, it goes back to Gnosticism to a degree. Now, a buddy of mine, a seminary professor, says, watch out when people start talking about Gnosticism. A lot of people don't understand what they're talking about. Uh, but having been in seminary and studied it, let, let, me, let me give you a little bit of a, of a just a, a short uh, primer on this and where I'm going with Greg's point here. And Greg, thanks for the phone call. By the way, uh, the phone number 877 7425. Uh, Eusebius is a writer of the early church history. Uh, there's a very famous book. It's actually a collection of things put together, Eusebius's History of the Early Christian Church. And he notes that in uh, 100 AD, the early church fathers after the apostles rapidly began changing what they were writing about. In 100 AD, there's, there's an event that happened in 100 AD that caused this. The early church fathers originally were writing about Christianity and defenses of the faith and that it was real. And in 100 AD, they began a rapid shift towards uh, denouncing heretics and outing heretics and defending the faith against heresy. And what happened in 100 AD is that the last of the apostles died. Now, every single one of the original 12 apostles died, uh, was executed, or other than Judas um, took his own life, and then they brought in a new apostle who as well was, was persecuted and executed. The only one of the apostles who lived to be an old man and died of natural causes was the apostle John. He died in 100 AD. 
documented history. John, if you read the book of John and then you read John 1, 2, and 3 in the book of Revelation, those are all his, he denounces a lot of people trying to twist the faith, particularly in 1 John. 1 John, a lot of people say it's the first commentary ever written. Uh, if you go to bookstores or go on Amazon, you can buy commentaries of books of the Bible, and they go in-depth explaining books of the Bible. The first, the, the letter First John is essentially a commentary on the book of John, and it explains a little more in-depth, even though it's shorter, explains in-depth a lot of the theology, but there's a real pushback there on uh, Gnosticism. When John died in 180, suddenly the Gnostics were like, ah, none of them are left. Let's get out there and own the stuff. And so the very early Christian writers, Tertullian, uh, Irenaeus, Irenaeus, Ignatius, others, they began, Polycarp began writing, denouncing the Gnostics. Now, what did Gnosticism do? Gnostics essentially said that this Christianity stuff is too easy. That there's this guy and he says, put your faith in me and and I will work within you to change you. That's nonsense. The world doesn't work that way. You got to do something. We've got the secret. Yes, this guy was the real deal divine essence. And if you join us, we will teach you the deep secrets and the deep religion. But you got to join us. There are secrets that we can teach you that if you follow us, you'll learn them and your eyes will be open. It was cult. It's uh, all cults are Gnostic. Uh, Scientology, very famously, a very Gnostic cult. You have to go further and further into the religion, giving them more and more of your money to get deeper and deeper secrets to your somehow salvation. And they're always and inevitably self-salvific. Now, this isn't to get into deep theology here, but one of the things that, that one of the hallmark separators of Christianity from every other religion on planet Earth is that every other religion are in most ways self-salvific. That means that you yourself do things to earn your salvation. Christianity is the exact opposite of all these religions. There is nothing, nothing you can do to save yourself. You need Jesus, and he works within you to change you. You repent and believe, and, and he works within you. Actually, for those of us who are believers, it gives you a lot of faith. You're, you, you're, you become a very much aware of how much of a screw-up you actually are. But he changes you. It's completely different from everything else. But what the Gnostics say is that we've got a secret, secret knowledge of a higher order of things. And if you embrace us, we'll teach you. And it's what the wokes essentially do. We, we we have a way of looking at the world, and we wish you to embrace this way of looking at the world. The problem is when you get into it and you embrace it, it changes constantly. You're always one step removed from being a heretic if you play this game because wokeism is ever-evolving. I mean, just think, just think, just think. Um, this is not to offend anyone with my words here. Ten years ago, it was very common to call someone who identified as the other sex a transvestite, which is now largely a pejorative term for people and doesn't mean anymore what a lot of people used to. And if you use that term to refer to someone who's transgender, you can get in a lot of trouble. You have a hard time keeping up. Then it was that there was uh, there were men and women, and you could be either man or woman. And now there is uh, non-binary, and you got to keep up. 
And then there are people who want to float back and forth between being male and female. All of these things, you got to keep up, you got to keep up, you got to keep up. Or environmentalism is another one. With environmentalism, it was recycle, save your water, uh, limit your carbon footprint as best you can. But then suddenly it's you can't have kids anymore because your kids are mouth breathers. Don't have kids anymore. That's bad. Uh, now it's, it's well, I'm, I'm doing what I can, but you're not doing the right thing. Yeah, okay. You've, you've put solar panels on your roof, but did those solar panels, did they come from China? They're, they're polluting with carbon to, to buy them. More and more environmentalists concer- concerned about that. It, it always changes. There's only one fixed religion on the planet that never changes uh, that is not self-selfific. All of this stuff does, and it is, it is very cult-like. Greg is very right on that, that it, it, they want to control your language. They want to control your word choice. Whoever controls the language they believe wins. This is why it comes from the Marxist set of postmodernism. Marxism believes the entire world is about power. Everything's a power play. You've got to understand that to understand everything else. What is Marxism ultimately? Marxism Marxism itself is not an economic philosophy per se. Marxism is an explanation for power dynamics in the world. Between the rich and the poor, the working class and the others, the bourgeois. It transcends into an economic um, socialism pattern uh, and then into communism where the government controls all means of production, and gives to those who need from those who have. But it also becomes a political worldview that controls you, and Marxist postmodern philosophy is all about language. That the world has no meaning except through language. This is a philosophical thought by those who would bring you critical theory, by those who would view the world based on power dynamics. Language itself is where power comes from. So by changing language, we can change power dynamics. And the people who have bought into the idea of critical theory, we're not talking critical race theory, that's a subset of critical theory. They believe that there are things called dominant discourses. Now, this is why you have the privilege checklist. If you go through the privilege checklist, if you are white, heterosexual, cisgendered, Christian, male, from a two-parent, heterosexual, nuclear household who goes to church, who isn't scared of the police, who speaks his native tongue, you are very privileged, and therefore you utter the dominant discourses in society. Your language controls. And so the way to beat you, remember, it's about power. There are going to be winners and there are losers. The way to make you the winner be the loser is to silence you. This is why the left is opposed more and more these days to free speech. Because if you and I both have free speech and they consider me to be more privileged than you, then they believe that my speech is going to dominate their speech and I must be silenced. It's a matter of silencing the dominant discourse because they believe I'm privileged and their discourse rises. Now, inevitably, the problem here, the one that they can't acknowledge, the one they refuse to acknowledge is that if I am the oppressor and you are the oppressed and we our reverse our roles reverse, then you become the oppressor and I become the oppressed. What the critical theorists would say, well, no, we will find balance and we'll never flip into oppression. Except does anyone really believe that? Even they don't really believe that. In fact, they are increasingly saying, yes, actually, they will become the oppressor and it will be to right the wrongs and that me by living in oppression to them 
will right wrongs that I have caused and eventually get me to see the error of my ways. And I will become an ally, a white ally. This is their new language here. Allyship. I can never be one of them by virtue of my skin, but I can be an ally with them. And the way to be an ally with them is to give up my privilege and power to them before they come for me and force me to give it up. There is no way to reconcile the races in this paradigm. Wokeism does not heal. It further divides. Wokeism is about a power struggle that is, in many cases, imaginary, but it is one they have fully bought into. It is one that is deeply destructive to even them. And what you find is more and more that those who actually have the power and rule the roost in wokeism are the ones who constantly change the language. And those who are not fully in charge are the ones who they feel like they're in charge, and then one day suddenly they're on the outs as well. You see this all the time in Hollywood and elsewhere, where all these preening celebrities have embraced wokeism, and then one day they're on the outs because they couldn't go far enough, because suddenly it was revealed they had privilege. There's no means to reconcile in this stuff. It's deeply destructive to society. And the only way to beat it, and this is this is something you must understand, the only way to beat it is to not play the game, to not give in to it. M&M's, I don't care about the story. But M&M Mars has decided they need to diversify the characters who play the M&M's. And a lot of people are reading a lot into it. I'm sure at some point there will be an M&M that identifies as a Skittle. But they've decided to play the game. And what they're ultimately going to find is that there's no salvation there for them from the wokes. It's like the kid I was telling people about earlier. He's a student and the teacher decided to give in to wokeism and wants all the kids to write down their names and their preferred pronouns so everyone in class knows what they should call each other. And this kid, who believes himself to be gender non-binary, is angry at the teacher because he will be forced to reveal to the class either his gender non-binaryedness or lie so he can't be his real self. But is he really being his real self? If he doesn't want anyone to know it, apparently in his mind, yes. Wokeism is a moral philosophy from post modernism where truth does not matter your felt truth is what matters not real truth and ultimately it's an ideology of the insane it allows the insane to feel like they're in charge of something and allows the insane to control you and the only way to circumvent it and to beat it is to not play their game increasingly you'll be called a hater but increasingly sometimes you just got to speak truth and truth itself is condemned by these people. You cannot play their game if you're going to get through it. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Well, poor old Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, is doing cleanup as well. It's not just Jin Psaki on the election stuff. It's Blinken on the Ukraine stuff. Uh, here he is. He's been with the NATO leaders huddling. Russia invaded Ukraine in 2014, seizing Crimea, uh, provoking an ongoing conflict in eastern Ukraine, the Donbass, changing Ukraine's borders by force. That's what we're looking at. Uh, we've heard Russian officials say that they have no intention of invading uh, Ukraine. In fact, uh, Minister Lavrov repeated that to me today. Uh, but 
again, we're, we're looking at uh, what is visible uh, to all, and it is uh, deeds and actions, uh, not words, that make the difference. I suggested um, to Minister Lavrov, as we have repeatedly, that if Russia wants to um, begin to convince the world that it has uh, no aggressive intent toward Ukraine, uh, a very good place to start would be by de-escalating, by uh, bringing back, uh, removing its forces from Ukraine's borders, as well as uh, engaging in, uh, uh, in diplomacy and dialogue, which is what we did today and what we plan uh, to continue doing in the uh, days and weeks ahead. Uh, we've, uh, we've said all along uh, that uh, we intended uh, not only to respond to the concerns that Russia has raised, but to share our own concerns, uh, which are many about the actions that Russia takes that uh, we see as a threat to security uh, in Europe uh, and uh, indeed beyond. And so it was important in the course of the conversations that we've had to date, Andrea, both uh, last week at the um, uh, strategic stability dialogue between the United States and Russia, at the NATO-Russia Council, at the OSCE, to make sure that we uh, fully understood each other's positions, each other's concerns. We're going to keep talking as the role, as the Russians keep building up their forces. And I think that's kind of what the Russians know we're going to do. These are dangerous times. Uh, to be real, real honest with you, I, um, I am really concerned about this in the larger scheme of things because, I mean, for example, you've got Tucker Carlson questioning why we even have NATO these days. Uh, NATO is the uh, greatest military strategic alliance in world history among military powers, and it has kept Europe relatively stable. I don't think people appreciate what will happen if the Russian sphere of influence spreads because it will embolden the Chinese influence to spread, and we are dealing with illiberal regimes. Now, uh, these days, you got some on the new right, uh, the post-Christian right who kind of uh, reject the whole idea of Western liberalism and, and they're tying it to liberals or progressives. That's not really it. Uh, we're tying it to freedom. Uh, liberalism per se means freedom, even if the liberals themselves and the progressives have con- kind of undermined that. I- an illiberal regime is one that does not value your freedoms, a freedom of speech, a right to keep and bear arms, um, the, the right to live your life as you wish. And we're emboldening illiberalism around the world, and they've got mouthpieces for it all over television these days. It doesn't end well for any of us if the Russians begin to get expansionist, and we're not in a position to push back on it right now, thanks to Joe Biden. It's 2022, and guess what? Nothing still makes sense. The whole world seems to be going crazy right now, and banks have gotten really skittish at helping small businesses. They're perfectly happy to help the giant businesses, but what about you? You're a small business, you got to buy a building or build a building, or you need a big loan for a fleet of vehicles to grow your business, and the banks are giving you a hard time. Check out my friends at First Liberty Building and Loan. They can help you nationwide, wherever you are, if you're a small business and you need access to loans, let's say 500000 and up, 
First Liberty can do it. They've been doing this since the early 90s. The Frost family are friends of mine. They're committed Christians and they're great business people and they are committed to small businesses. Reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you. See if you're a good fit for them. They want to help you get to yes where the big banks are saying no. Nationwide, they can help you if you're a small business. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com. 